Hey, welcome to the Ron Johnson Discipleship Podcast. We are here today to declare the Lordship of Jesus, and we have historical proof. <laughs> yeah. Especially this week. Because this is, this is what uh, in the church world folks call Holy Week, uh, the week of Christ's passion. But, you know, if the resurrection is not true, we're wasting our time. Yeah. You know, the Apostle Paul said we're, we're of all men most miserable because we're basically still dead in our trespasses and sins. We're hopeless. We have... We have no basis for meaning, purpose, truth, beauty, goodness, justice, all the things that are so much a part of our world and our Christian worldview. And so we're here rejoicing today because it's going to be an amazing, amazing week of celebration. And I, I like to say again, it, Jesus Christ, his, his life, his sinless life, his death on the cross, his resurrection from the grave and his ascension to the Father's right hand. These are historical truths. This, this is not fairy tale stuff. This is not blind, you know, faith. These are historical truths that lay the foundation of, of why we're here today and why we're offering hope today. Um, and I love that about Christianity. And I think as, as believers, now is the time of year when we need to really trumpet the loudest, uh, the truths that our faith is built upon. We serve a risen Lord, and we serve yeah. a God who's alive and um, and who has stepped into human history and transformed human history, and and uh, and so that's the good news of this podcast. That's the that's the rock solid foundation upon which uh, we we do this every week and and every day. This Absolutely. risen Lord is seeking to interact with us on a such an intimate and personal level, yeah. and that's why this is not just even historical fact this is on an emotional level on the day-to-day -day interactional yeah that's level, a good point that's right it's word, one thing to, yeah it's one thing to, to highlight human history and that's yeah. important yeah. um but we don't have a relationship with with uh, george washington facts. yeah yeah you know yeah. George Watt, yeah I, he exists yeah history books and stuff like that yeah. but he's only read about it. well that's not that's not it for jesus and, and we're going to get into that you know sometimes people focus on the cross and what jesus did as the payment for our sins and you know you you through one lens you can view the cross judiciously you know um, yeah. christ paid the price uh, for my sin but but that's the means to an end you know sometimes we stop at forgiveness but the means to the end is just what you were talking about mm -hmm. god is after a personal relationship with us that's going to be the joy of heaven right is we're going to and it kind of ties into the series we've been doing yeah. on shame we're going to be spending eternity in a joy-filled relationship with a God who loves us so much, and we're going to be able to love Him with the same capacity. Yeah. It's all about relationships. It's so interesting because the idea of eternal life, you know, there's many movies recently made about people who just have lived forever and, like, um, just the misery on earth. They want to be put out of their misery because they're sick of living Eternal life is not just that's what the Bible talks about, like right. living water. You know, right. uh, it's not just living forever in the miserable existence until one day you're like, just put me out of my misery, right. please. It's, it's not the length of time <laughs> yeah. because if you're miserable, you can be miserable. Exactly. Forever. <laughs> you know, you want to be put out in misery, and that's eternal life is eternal life, specifically in the scripture context. Context is eternal life lived with beautiful communion, intimacy, yeah. relationship with God and with each other, not just with God, but also with each other. And yeah. that's the beauty of eternal yeah. life in community. And you, in and community. you, you know, if you if you've been tuning into our Living Stones uh, uh, sermon series, you know, we've been talking about the great relationship killer, which is shame, and how that kills my relationship with you, your relationship with me, but also our relationship with our heavenly Father, yeah. and uh, and. 
I, I asked Pastor Andrew to, to jump in the pulpit again this last Sunday, and he did such an amazing job. Of course, it was Palm Sunday. We got we have a Good Friday services coming up um, on on Friday of this week, six o'clock and seven thirty, and then we have three services we'll be offering on Sunday morning, which is Resurrection Sunday. If you're watching this, we encourage you to come on out. We, we're going to roll out the red carpet for you. We're excited uh, to be able to to host this amazing celebration. We have children's ministry, all three services. So if you have small children, uh, we're going to have a powerful time of ministry, you know, for them as well. So come on out. It's going to be an incredible, incredible 10 o'clock at 1130. Yep. Oh, so 11.45. 11.45. Yep. Yeah. And, uh, and again, it's, it's just the greatest, greatest time of the year. Um, uh, where we just focus on the truths that, that make life worth living. And, um, but Sunday, you did an amazing job. I want to start a little bit. We're going we're gonna to do two things in this service today, or service today podcast today. Uh, I want to rehearse some of where we're going on the shame series, where we've been, where we're going. I hope you've enjoyed it as much as we've enjoyed preaching it. Um, but then we're going to talk about the, the, some of the greatest threats to religious liberty that we're facing today. Uh, and the attack on parental rights and, and how we need to be more engaged than ever. But I do want to back up. You know, you, you talked about vulnerability again, which has been something that is so great. And I, I have people tell me all the time, I love it when Pastor Andrew preaches because he's, so, he's just so real and people can, can relate to the stories, you know. Um, but to give us a little headlines about some of the, some of the major points you were touching on on Sunday, and then I'm going to give you all a preview about what's coming on Good Friday and what's coming on Sunday morning. Yeah, I mean, I basically share that for us to live out this this uh, lifestyle free from shame, we got to establish some habits. You know, I really believe uh, you're you are determined by the foundational blocks of your life, which is your habits: yeah. brushing your teeth, reading your Bible, not reading your Bible, how you eat. And that's really the foundation of your right. lifestyle. Okay? Right. You can talk the talk all day long. Show me your habits, what yeah. you do regularly. I like what the <clears throat> illustration you gave. It's like, we don't want to go on a binge diet to try to lose weight because summer's coming and we want to fit into our you know, swimsuit because yeah. that won't last very long. It's not very healthy. So if, yeah. we, if we want to make, if we want to live a shame-free life, it's the same way. We have yeah. to develop certain habits in our lives that cause us to be able to to live in the freedom that Christ has secured for us, Absolutely. instead of experiencing uh, little episodes of freedom, right, and then getting swallowed up. I like what you said, like a, the the bear hug of shame. You yeah. know, you get swallowed up with shame in just a moment's time if you're not careful. Yeah, some of the most damaging uh, lifestyles seen, both for a person who's trying to grow in Christ or a person trying to lose weight, is that yo-yo effect, up and down, up and down. You get discouraged. Everyone around you get discouraged. Yeah. They get annoyed. You complain about the same thing over and over again. Yeah. What I and prefer is slow and steady growth and that comes from behavior or lifestyle change yeah so i like you like, like like so you're doing really good you're free from shame all of a sudden boom you get hit emotionally yep. and you fall out yeah but then you recognize faster oh my gosh this is shame working yep. oh that message that's not the message of my father that's the message of shame and you acknowledge it, recognize it, and then you learn to get back into the right. into the grace of, of forgiveness and freedom. I mentioned three particular habits that we must establish into our lifestyle. Really, from if you look at the interaction of Jesus with other people. Now, I particularly used his interaction with the woman, Samaritan woman, as well. Yep. But if you look at other interactions, you see similar patterns in how he interacts. Yep. Okay, the first thing he, is that he leads with vulnerability. Jesus practiced 
deep sense of vulnerability. I, I challenge you to look at scripture and just look at how he interacts with other people. And that was what in the woman at the well, you, you highlighted the yeah. fact that here he comes up to a woman. And in that culture, men don't talk to women. Certainly yeah. Jews don't talk to Samaritans. Yeah. Uh, she was a woman with a checkered past. That's why yeah. she was there later in the day. Jesus yeah. highlighted that later in the story. But you brought out a great nuanced part that I think most of us would look over and not even pay attention to it. Jesus actually asked her for a favor, right. which was him leaning into vulnerability. Like, I have a need. I'm thirsty. Yeah. And would you meet that need for me? Yeah. Uh, you give me some water. So, so highlight that. I mean, how does that, how does that leading from vulnerability, and why is that important? Well, I, I mean, I just thought about my own life. I mean, it really was God because, like, the day I was thinking about this, my wife and I had an interaction, which we realized we don't like to ask for favors, even when people offer favors. I mean, okay, I'll give you an example. Last night, um, your daughter Lauren was going to Aldi's, and she always texts my wife, "Do you need anything?" Yeah. I'm like, "Yeah, we need a bag of veggie straws." Yeah, and oh, those are good, by the way. Yeah, veggie straw, right? <laughs> so my wife prepared like it cost like two dollars. So my wife prepared two dollars, and when she came, my wife was like, "You need to fight her to give her the two. And I'm just like, "I don't want to go through that." Like, that's between you and Lauren. I don't want to get that. <laughs> Lauren comes in, like drops off that and some chocolates, just blessed us, and like took off. I'm just like. <laughs> Chase her down, chase her down, and give her the money. You don't you know? want to be a burden. I don't want to be a burden. She wants to be a blessing. And my wife is like, "Don't, Lord, you better come back here and give them." It's just that interaction, like that. No, but I love what you pointed out because why is it that we have such a hard time receiving blessing, receiving? Yeah. And really, it goes back to shame. Yeah. We're not worthy. We don't want to be a burden. And I was, I talked to a number of men after you made that yeah. point, and we all confessed, man, we are messed up. We're all that way. Yeah. Uh, you know, hey, would you like me to pick you up? No, 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 no. Even when, you know, how about a sandwich? No, and you're starving to death. Yeah. <laughs> you love a sandwich. But, <laughs> Someone's but gurgling. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. No, I don't want anything. No, but, but but it's interesting because that's so, like, common that we don't think about it. Until you look at life with Jesus. And Jesus just, that's not how he rolls. He has no problem asking for help because he's so full of vulnerability. And, and he's and God. Like, I and mean, he's God. that's the irony of it is... He's identifying with our humanness, right? Yes. As God, he doesn't need anything. But as a human being, he, he embraced all of our weakness and our vulnerability. Yeah. So, yeah, he got thirsty. He got hungry. He needed to eat. He needed to sleep. And he wasn't afraid to, to ask. To ask. And he just, he just doesn't play that game. He's like, you want to do me a favor? Great. Bless me. Yeah. <laughs> he he understands the depths of all that. So And he, and also leading with vulnerability. It's interesting because him asking for the water. Holy Spirit led him to ask for water, which became the thread of conversation that he used to lead her That's to talk good. about the living water. right? So him being vulnerable actually opened the door to yeah. a much deeper discussion about, right. about eternal life and about her deep need right. and, and, and her deep shame yeah so i love i love that um and so so leading with vulnerability and then second and the second one is just truly knowing like whatever we do understand that people's deepest need is not water not physical need not even money is to be known it's yeah, to be so known it. by god and known by us so the opposite of shame or the the kryptonite of shame is vulnerability and being known being known yeah and, uh, and, and that's really what people are longing for. In fact, you, you pointed out, sometimes if you just sit with somebody and just listen and ask questions, they leave feeling like, wow, yeah. I, you know, I, I, I've been set free. And all you did was help them to be known. So a lot of times when I'm counseling with people now, my opening line, and this is not a technique, this is just from what I've learned about shame. Yeah. My opening te- uh, line mm-hmm. is, so tell me your story. What's yeah. going on? What's going on right now yeah. in your life? Yeah. Help me get to know you better. 
And boy, then people I have the have the freedom to jump right in. Oh, it's been so helpful. I mean, we've been uh, talking with some you know business guys about you know trying to help them with some businesses or like yeah, like people come and want to talk dollars and cents and format whatever. Right. But after a while, you realize, man, a lot of times that's not even the problem. Right. There's a much deeper layer, and, and I don't I can't solve it. But I just got to remind myself, just listen to their pain, listen to their story, yeah. make them be known. And somehow the problem works itself out. It's kind of crazy how that works. You know, I used to make fun of psychologists saying like, how does that make you feel? I used to make fun of that, right? Right. But now I find myself asking that because people yeah. dismiss their feeling, they, they bury it, and that right. feeling becomes toxic. So and you, I- you brought up a good point, not to interrupt, but you brought up a good point. You said most people's dissatisfaction with their work is not related to their income. It's not related to their financial package. Yeah. And it's really not about money at all. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's about deeper things. Being, 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 being known, being affirmed, being seen. I, being valued. I, I, I read books somewhere, I, but there's studies. They have done studies on how money is not a great motivator. Now, money is a great demotivator. Right. In other words, someone's grossly underpaid. You do need to pay them right. the right amount. But people, but the true performers, they're not motivated by money. They, they don't want to be underpaid, so they're worried about money. Right. But they want enough so they cannot think about finances and focus on At that work. point, it becomes about, am I enjoying my the environment at work? Do yeah. I feel affirmed? Do I feel affirmed? Do I feel known? Do I feel yeah. cared for? Is there a path for me? Does my employer, does my boss care about what I'm doing? Right. So it's really about being known. It's interesting when I first heard that study. I was like, wow, that's amazing. That's awesome. So, so it makes sense. Yeah. So the third point then. The third point is... I wrote down is we invite other people to vulnerability, mm-hmm. but really it's we ourselves have to regularly receive the invitation by God to vulnerability. Right. And then we invite other people to vulnerability. I like your point you made with Jesus. It was as he led in vulnerability that this woman at the well got drawn in and then that gave her permission to be vulnerable. Yeah, yeah. But he had to be free first. We and I think that's the principle. We, we can't run around setting other people free from shame if we're, you know, completely messed up with shame ourselves. We have to lead we have to first lead into that. And here's the thing is God's always inviting us to play. If you really open your eyes and real and look at scripture, look at how Jesus interact with people. He is literally always inviting people to the place of moment. But I mentioned this a little bit. Like I, I, I was reading about the account of the Last Supper and how they asked, because Jesus was openly saying, hey, when are you going to betray me? When are you going to betray me? And then I think John leaned in and said, yeah, yeah. Who, who, who is it? Right, right, and right. Jesus said, I'm the, the person I'm going to dip the bread and put the, put the bread in their bowl, something like that. Yeah, the yeah, person. Yeah. And he did it to Judas. Yeah, he like, literally. But it seemed like even the disciples were the oblivious. The disciples were oblivious because it's so out of their understanding. They couldn't right. imagine a couple days Jesus I think, was going to be Yeah, I think when Jesus said one of you, at that point, they're probably going, is it, is it me? me? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and only and that's Judas. That's shame, too. That's shame, too. But only Judas knew. He knew that was him. And he had an opportunity right there. Imagine the story being changed if he, at that point, realized, wow, you are truly God. You just call me out. I'm going to repent right here and then. And Jesus was giving him, to, from my perspective, one extra, one last opportunity to turn away from this. From this well, it's like with, with the woman caught in adultery. Jesus said, okay, let yeah. all of you, whoever has... Uh, committed no sin, you cast the first stone. Yeah. That really was, a, again, it was an invitation to repent with yeah. this woman. Yeah. I'm a sinner just like she yeah. is. Uh, but, and even Peter, you know, I mean, he had a chance. He, Jesus looked him in the eye, you yeah. know, there at that point when he was betray, betrayed him for the yeah. third time. I don't think it was a look of judgment. I think it was a look of, of, of I was right, and, uh, and and you should repent. You know, I mean, he probably could have, he could have had a whole different story, but of course, um, 
Shame has a way of tripping us up over and over yeah. again. And I, I think the emphasis is even today, even today, God is leading us to the place where we are most vulnerable, which means it's not comfortable and which it might be painful. So, I mean, but that's the story. I think a lot of times we get stuck because we just, we don't, we just don't think God would do that. We're like, ah, that's not God. God doesn't, God's not God who will lead us to our discomfort. <laughs> well, I don't know what God you're reading about because we think discomfort is bad. But I just think about how we interact, how do we raise our kids? Yep. You know, we constantly invite our kids, if we're parenting correctly, right. we invite them to the place of discomfort. Now, not like not like crazy right. like things, but, but you hit the nail on gently. The, the, the place of pain and discomfort is actually the place of our greatest growth. Growth. And and if we've if we have had shameful experiences in our lives, either something done to us or something, yeah. you know, you brought up a that painful experience in your college days that really marked you. And I love the illustration you gave. You said the Lord was inviting you back to that memory. And you're like, Lord, why would I want to go back to that memory? That memory is so painful. But he wasn't bringing you back there to pile more shame on you. He was bringing you back there to show you something that you hadn't seen. Yeah. And and what you hadn't seen was that he showed you I was there with you all the time. Yeah. And just the presence of the Lord in the midst of our pain is healing. But the point is you can't put, you know, you and I can't put blinders on our shameful past or our shameful experiences or shameful episodes because to the degree that we just put the blinders on and deny it, we never get set free from the shame. Yeah, and it's the problem is that shame and that disintegration affect us. It leaks out in the toxic ways that we don't even know this, yeah. we don't even realize. So just even on Sunday, um, you know, I was able to pray and chat with several different people. I'm not gonna share their story. It's yeah. not my story to share, but about how in that moment um, they discovered that God's been <laughs> Excuse me. God's been inviting them to that place, yep. and 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 they went there immediately. Sometimes shockingly immediately, right afterwards. I got a text during third service when someone I prayed was in second service. So wow. I went there, and there was immediate. But, but here's what I love. Yeah, you're modeling just what Jesus did. Yeah, you stood there in the pulpit and said, "This is my own story. This is my own experience. This is my own pain. This is what God did." And you modeled your third point because you you invited. Yeah the audience to join you in their own process of healing. And I think that's that's exactly the principle. We can't lead others in freedom until we ourselves are free, or, or at least we're on the process of being free. Absolutely. We don't have to be perfect, but we just have to be vulnerable. Well, that's the whole thing. It's like, I, I, I'm still kicking screaming when God first like invites me to, <laughs> to, I mean, I think about my kids. I mean, when I invite my kids to do like, hey, it's time to go shower. Like, no, I don't feel like showering. It's like, no, you need to go and you're gonna face <laughs> some discomfort or your bed's gonna get really stinky. So you need to, you know, for bed. And just like, gently, now to them is the worst in the world, you know, and to us, it's just like that's nothing. Yeah. I think God looks at us and when He invites us to this place, He's like, That's where you're gonna get healed. And we're like, Oh, it's so painful. You're like, No, it's just shower, it's just getting a shower, brush your teeth. It's not that painful. Like, there's much more worse thing in life. Like, just just do it. And I think well, that's your, the perspective we your have. pain was transformed into a place now where it's one of your greatest testimonies. Yeah, and, and that's the beauty of the cross is it is Jesus takes our pain and turns it into something beautiful and, and it's probably a good segue because you know we've we've been teaching this principle all along that the way that you kill shame is by facing shame the way that you destroy shame's power in your life is by bringing it from the hidden place the secret place and bringing it out public and bringing it out amidst amidst people like i like if i want to get free from shame i need to be able to find a safe place and a friend yeah. where i can say hey help me out here this is what i'm dealing with and there's just something about being seen and known and heard and still loved 
that's liberating to us. And so yeah. when you think about this, Jesus, of course, is the ultimate shame destroyer. But on on Friday night, as we celebrate and, and, and what Jesus did for us on the cross, and as we really ponder the cross, and it, it's amazing to me that Jesus not only faced his shame, but faced our shame. He faced the collective shame of the world, and he used the shame of the cross to kill shame. And it's kind of a paradox because yeah. the cross, again, was was not just an instrument of death. It was an instrument of humiliation. Yeah. It was The goal of the cross was not just to kill you. In fact, there's much more efficient ways to kill a person. Right. The goal was to absolutely destroy your identity and your personhood. And, and it was vicious and vile and gruesome and painful and... Uh, and nobody would ever want to die a death on a cross. I mean, the, the Romans were ingenious people. I mean, they were horrible people, but they were ingenious people. And they basically researched and found out what is the worst possible torture death so that we warn people never rebel yeah. against this again. That's just, it was That's a, meant to it. be a, a, a sh such a shameful thing that anybody walking by would go, wow, may I never Fear, be guilty of anything shame. that would lead to that. I would never do that again. I yeah. would never do that. I would never get close to rebellion. That's right. And, uh, and so it's amazing that Jesus embraced the most shameful death to free us from our shame so that we could experience joy. And that's what I'm going to get to on Sunday as we wrap up this series. We're going to get to the ultimate object of why God created us was to experience the love and the joy that God the Father experiences with God the Son. In fact, Jesus prayed that the same love that the Father loves us with, that we would be able to love him back. Yeah. And we can't do that, you know, because in our natural state, because... As we pointed out, shame works against joy. Shame keeps us in bondage. Shame keeps us in guilt. Shame keeps us with our head hanging low. Shame lies to us that we're not enough, we're not loved. And, and we're going to see that Jesus, you know, up to his last breath, he underwent this vicious assault by Satan to put shame on him and to attack his identity. And we're going to get into that. It's really a powerful, powerful <laughs> picture. And, uh, I think it's going to be a great... You know, coming together of uh, this whole series, Amen. a great climax to the victory of the cross and the victory of Christ over over shame to set us free. And and again, not just to be free. It's kind of like when God forgives us of our sins. That's only half the package. The other half is we enjoy the righteousness of Christ yeah. and we're able to live transformed lives. It's the same thing with shame. It's one thing for God to say, okay, you're forgiven from shame. But the good news is we're forgiven from shame so that we can enjoy unbridled joy in relationship with our Father uh, through His Son, Jesus. I think it's a great idea, a great, great understanding. It's like, it's like we're in jail. And God just didn't bail us out of jail and say, you're on your own now. Go find yeah. your own job. You yeah. know, you have a criminal, you know, yeah. like you're all alone. No, he bailed. He frees, not bails. He, he pays, our, pays price. our price. We're free from jail and then put us in his mansion and give us a job and give treat us like sons. Yeah. That's the difference. That's why his kingdom, that's why the usher's kingdom is so important. And, and again, so when someone comes out of prison, they, they don't have anything. Right. They have no basic need. They certainly don't have a bank account. But the beauty of the cross is Jesus is our, our, our joint heir. We're joint heirs with him. Yeah. And all the righteousness and all the riches and all the blessing that he's secured for us is ours because of our relationship with him. Right. And, uh, and so his bank account becomes our bank account. His spiritual riches become our spiritual riches. And that's the beauty of this great exchange. And so I can't think of a better time as we're coming into this wonderful holiday weekend 
to really focus on these amazing truths. You know, what a blessing to know you could live in the joy of the Lord and that the joy of the Lord would be your strength through life and that you don't have to live under this nasty blanket of sin and guilt and shame, that you could become a new creature in Christ. The Bible says the old uh, is passed away. Behold, all things are becoming new. Uh, and your past does not define you. Uh, your future is bright in Christ. And whatever challenges and struggles and whatever shame you're mired in could all be untangled by the beautiful work of Christ. And uh, and you could literally become a new person. And so if you're listening to this podcast, that's the good news of the gospel. God's not here to judge you and to condemn you. He came to bring life. He came to set you free. He came to give you abundant life. Not just long duration, as Pastor Andrew pointed out, but a long duration of the most amazing, joy-filled, uh, awesome life possible. And that's the good news of the gospel. So praise the Lord for that. Um, I don't know that we have time to get into uh, <laughs> what I wanted to talk about. Um, but let me just highlight this. You know, right now in our country, uh, parental rights are under full-blown assault. And usually the leading edge of this uh, assault on our rights uh, is all of this crazy sexual things that are trying to be pushed on our kids. In fact, the, the Don't Say Gay bill, which was actually coined by Planned Parenthood, that was a misnomer. That, that's all political propaganda used to attack this bill that was passed in, in, uh, in Florida, uh, Governor Ron DeSantis. This bill simply prohibits uh, public education uh, from kindergarten and below. I mean, it's, it's very young kids, uh, elementary school age kids. I forget the exact age. Yeah, it's like K to but, three, but, three, but, third grade or something yeah, like that. Yeah, but Whatever. basically, yeah. Uh, you know, protecting the innocence of children that these kind of issues should not be taught, that our kids should not be groomed into these kind of lifestyles, that we should not be introducing all kinds of gender confusion into our children's lives. And we've seen some horrific, horrific cases where where teachers can bring confusion into kids and then encourage them that they're really not the gender that they were born, that this biological sex that they were born um, and then encourage them to actually go begin the process of uh, a gender transformation. None of this with the parents' blessing. And then when parents come in and say, time out, what are you doing? Then uh, the Department of Social Services in some of these liberal states steps in. And basically they can take your children out of your home because you're not basically celebrating their gender confusion. Yeah. I mean, I don't know what this is. This is a parent's worst nightmare. Yeah. And all of it flies in the face of the rights that God has given you as parents. And, and I've shared this on this podcast from the start. This all came out, especially during the, the hype and the government overreach in the last three years. Um, but we have to know the the institutions God has created, you know, the institution of the family, the institution of the church, the institution of the state. And you better know the boundaries where, where those lines stop. This right now, we just had a had our president come out with a video where he was, uh, it was called Transgender Visibility Day, where he was basically, it was, a, it was him addressing parents 
it was the state stepping into the family and basically telling parents how they should be treating uh, their child if their child wants to be go through a sex change operation or taking a hormone inhibitors and all these kinds of things. Of course, all of this treatment is irreversible and it is basically mutilating your body and the, uh, the organs that God has blessed you with from birth. It's denying your God-given identity as a male or female. And, um, and it was horrific because now we have the President of the United States and then his uh, propaganda uh, specialist, uh, uh, Saki, uh, press correspondent, who is basically threatening parents and threatening states with the Justice Department and the Department of, of Health and Human Services. So now we have two federal agencies that have been weaponized <laughs> to attack parents for simply trying to parent our kids. Yep and to follow our Christian conscience, and to follow the Bible. And so now the Bible is criminalized, parental rights are being criminalized, and this is none other than the Justice Department and, and the Department of, of Human uh, Health and Human Services. So th this, to me, should be another reason why we should be deeply concerned with Washington running our business. This is, this is local stuff. Nobody knows and loves their kids better than parents. God has entrusted parents with the rights of raising our kids. And I'm just telling you, this is the leading edge, and we don't have time to get into it, but this is the leading edge of the trampling of your religious liberties. I've been saying this for years. We saw the battle in Indiana. We tried to come up with some type of happy compromise between two ideologies that are absolutely diametrically opposed. And I'm just telling you, it does not work. It's time for us to stand up. It's time for parents to push back. In fact, our own governor in Indiana... Uh, should be embarrassed for, for uh, vetoing a common sense piece of legislation that simply was trying to protect our daughters to be able to compete with other daughters in sports without having uh, confused men uh, competing uh, against them. Uh, this is a no-brainer, common-sense piece of legislation. It's widely supported uh, by Republicans, widely supported by people on both sides of the aisle. Even Democrats support this common-sense piece of legislation, uh, and our governor vetoed it. So I want to encourage you, give the governor a call um, and make sure your uh, representatives when, when the session is called back in, make sure we have a resounding override of uh, the governor's insanity on this particular issue. Well, how about this? That's, that's elect governors and representatives yeah. who clearly understands. Uh, well, this is a simple question I'll ask anybody and say, what is the best, what's the healthiest for society? For the government to take ownership of your children or for the parents to take ownership of your children? How has it gone for any governmental system which the government are the primary care uh, caregivers for children? Yep. Orphanages and, and, and foster home, how has that worked out? Versus Absolutely. you being the, the giver. I mean, it's tough enough for me as a parent to raise kids our own. Now we're going to give you the big faceless big government? Right. So, so, and now you're going to face being being literally bankrupted and broke and canceled by government agencies, yeah. by public school systems in the liberal areas um, that are going to make, make make turn you into the the criminal and the enemy of your own kids. Well, here's another way I think about it. the discussion about sex, about 
any of those things. As a parent, I am approaching it with a surgeon's knife precision. That's right. I'm not just throwing, and I made a joke the other day, I was sharing with my friends, like I, I was being scientific with my son, Nehemiah. I said, you know what, son, you're 50% mom and 50% me. <laughs> I made the mistake of uh, just trying to get some scientific. He's like, wait a second. I know how I'm 50% mom because I came from mom. How am I 50% you? I'm like, uh, <laughs> oh, I will tell you that in a few years. I, he connected the dots. I didn't expect him to connect the dots. I was like, I don't think he's quite ready Where for that comment. Where did that 50% come, come from? Good question, son. Uh, you know, <laughs> but I mean, again, he looks identical to that's, me. That's so. a timing issue. It's a timing precision. A parental issue. This is not random. Like, like oh yeah, by the way, blah, blah, blah. He's like, you know, right. you know, no, he's like stunned and he's, no, this is a, there's a precise timing. There's a right place, right time for me as his dad going to discuss these issues, sensitive, powerful, awesome issues, awesome issues with him. I am not going to let someone, a stranger. a stranger with a butcher knife, deal with something I need precise Or someone that doesn't share your worldview because that, worldview. that is an area where God has specifically spoken, where there's clear teaching in scripture about the purpose of sexuality, about the differences yeah. between the genders. And the parental parental responsibility to be the ones who are teaching and training. Even them. someone who shares my worldview, I, no, thank you. As a dad, yes, as a mom, I want to do it. I, I know my kids the best. All my kids are different. I'm going to share with the, that, those sensitive issues in a different ways. Here's the issue I think a lot of times. A lot of parents themselves are shamed because of those areas. Yeah. And they want to surrender. They want to abdicate. Just like uh, Esau gave up the birthright. For both And with somebody else to have that discussion. Oh, yeah, we'll let the public education deal with that. Whoa, yeah. whoa, 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 No. Parents. Come on, these are your kids. Yeah. Well, <laughs> and I, I believe this. We're going to see a massive uh, backlash uh, in the upcoming election and the midterms coming up this fall. Because parents are getting it, and this administration is absolutely tone deaf. They are out in la-la land and left field. And I'll tell you this, there's nothing more dangerous than messing with... Don't with mess with mama bear. Yeah, that's right. Don't mess with mama bear. Uh, and, and certainly with fathers who are saying enough is enough. So we're seeing a lot of... We're seeing school boards flip in liberal areas. In fact, I would encourage you, this should be an issue that's brought up for all of our um, school board races um, it's time to get involved. I'm seeing a lot of uh, moms and dads running for school boards in, in liberal areas on that one issue, yeah. and they're they're being elected to represent. Pa parents are sick and tired of it. Um, so I just want to encourage you. Get, let's get involved. Amen. Be vocal. Uh, stand up for your kids. Stand up for the future. Stand up for truth. Uh, and uh, again, wherever Christians show up, wherever the church shows up, we win. So I just encourage you to get engaged. Thank you for watching. We hope this uh, has been helpful to you. And we hope you'll come out this week. Uh, if you're not local and you can't make uh, our service and worship with us, wherever you're listening to this podcast, we hope this is a great week of contemplating all that Jesus did for us on the cross and then celebrating his powerful resurrection from the dead. This is the greatest moment in human history. We celebrate it as the foundation for everything that we believe as Christians. Uh, and, uh, and we just encourage you to join the celebration this week. We love you all. We appreciate you watching. And uh, we, we just pray God's richest blessing on you uh, as you continue to live out your Christian faith. Blessings. We'll see you next Thursday.